0: Helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition and mindset. This is the KCLR Power Hour with Nathalie Lennon. Hello everybody and
1: welcome back. You are listening to The Power Hour on Casey Lord. This is Nathalie Lennon with you until 7pm chatting through all things fitness, nutrition, mindset and well-being. We have a very interesting show in store for you tonight and in case you're new here wondering what exactly The Power Hour is all about, that is giving you the tools and inspiration to take control of your health inside and outside. Out. It is about giving you the power to maximize the quality of your life, broadening your mindset, and maybe pushing you outside of your comfort zone just a little. If you want to get in touch with any questions or thoughts during this evening's show, I would love nothing more than to hear from you. Please do drop me a message on our dinnersready.ie text sign 083 306 9696. You can WhatsApp us here too or reach out on Instagram at Nathalie Lennon. Always happy to help. Coming up on this week's Para hour. So we are going to do our Q&A where I will talk about how you can break an addiction to the weighing scales, and maybe dealing with emotional eating. If you need some inspiration for gym goals, which are performance based, I'm going to give you all the tips you're looking for. And does stress really run down your immune system? We will see. I have an interview coming up with an amazing man all about his journey with body dysmorphia and eating disorder and mental health. And have you ever heard of the Hayes Movement? Well, we're going to tell you all about it and exactly what that stands for today and then my fitness funny where I make a fool of myself we're going to bust some fibre related myths and of course your cheer challenge but first a quick ad break don't go anywhere go.
0: Power, power. The KCL Power Hour with Nathalie Lennon Have something you want answered? Just let us know It's the Power Hour Q&A Hello and welcome back.
1: Okay, so as I said on our Q&A this week, this is a question that I got in, more so a statement to begin with. I am an emotional eater and addicted to the weighing scales every morning. If it's higher, I feel worse and eat more. How can I break my addiction to the weighing scales and this vicious cycle? Now, this is a very good question. We have touched on it slightly before, but I figured it was one worth diving into again as we get closer to summer and summer holidays and the words bikini body tend to be thrown around in the media a little bit more so sometimes we think daily weighing will be a good way to inspire us to keep us on track or refrain from maybe eating more but daily weighing can often lead to increased emotional eating rather than actually decreasing it so did you know a study in 2015 tracked participants over 10 years and showed that self-weighing is associated with increased weight concerns and depression. That's one to remember. So if you're an emotional eater, weighing yourself can be one of the most effective ways to really feel bad about yourself. But ironically, a good or bad scale number can both trigger overeating. Because often we celebrate if we see it down or we eat more if we see it up. So. Now, a lot of people do find daily weighing helpful. I have to put that in there. It won't affect everyone negatively. I'm not dissing it completely. If you have a coach that's supporting you through the process too, it can be really helpful. And it can be a positive, but not if you feel you're a strong emotional eater. So firstly, you know that we're all human and it's okay to emotionally eat to a degree, of course. But for the majority of us, if the scale is down, you feel better about yourself and we want to break that habit so how do we do it move away from external validation and towards internal validation so ask yourself questions like what kind of movement energizes you what kind of movement do you enjoy what kind of food gives you energy you need what kind of food feels good are you working with your body or against it if you really need data from the scales for like a medical reason maybe you can discuss how you feel about this with the doctor first but just ask yourself what will the scale tell you that you're healthy that you're a good person No, it won't. So become a conscious eater and try and break that relationship a little bit. Remember, change is always scary at first, messy in the middle, but worth it in the end. Now, my next question, I had someone wondering if I could share some inspiration for gym goals which are performance-based rather than aesthetic-based. And I love that because we often think going to the gym has to revolve around body image or looking a certain way or building a certain muscle group. It doesn't. Building performance-based goals which are smaller and more attainable can honestly keep you so much more motivated and enjoying the way you move. And each week, if you see yourself getting stronger or better at a performance goal, you're going to feel more motivated to train regularly. So just some examples. Now, this depends on your age or your ability or your injury history. But maybe you look at how many workouts you complete in the week, the distance that you covered on a walk or a run, the exercises you completed, what weights you use, how many sets of reps you do, or maybe it's your daily step count, and next week you can improve on all those. Or maybe it's something like doing a push-up or a chin-up or doing 10 of them. Or maybe it's something mobility related like doing the splits or reaching your toes. So I hope that answers your question. And then really quickly, someone asked me, does stress really run down your immune system? So just the answer is yes, pretty much, guys. I always get run down. If I have a, ca- if I have a, a really busy week, I would tend to catch a cold. So just remember, it is no coincidence that you may tend to get sick or run down after a big project or feeling emotional. Maybe at home, there could be something going on. Stress literally affects all systems of the body it decreases the body's lymphocytes so the white blood cells that help fight off infection are decreased when you are really stressed so remember that you need to look after yourself a little bit more and keep those stress levels low now as i mentioned earlier on in the show i am going to be joined by an amazing man to discuss his experience with body dysmorphia with an eating disorder and mental health very soon
0: helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. The KCL or Power Hour with Nathalie Lennon.
1: I'm joined on the line by creator and founder of the Endless Spiral blog and podcast, multi-award nominated podcaster and blogger, and he's both a speaker and an author. Mr. Keith Russell, thank you for joining us on the Power Hour today.
2: You're very welcome, Natalie. Thanks very much for having me on. Now, listen, be here.
1: It's a pleasure, I know you are a busy, productive man and um, yeah. we're, we're going to jump straight into it and I think the best way to kick off this conversation would be to ask you if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey with mental health
2: Yeah, um, yeah so I suppose I'm probably better known for being the creator of The Endless Bar which is obviously, as you said, the podcast and the blog as well um, and when i started that about about a year just over a year ago, kind of around in my last february or march or something like that and it's just been an absolute kind of um hectic time since then but yeah my my, my journey with mental health started a long long time ago i started in my early teens and started kind of suffering from anxiety in my early teens um the anxiety just turned into just a kind of Um, I have a severe dislike for myself. Mm -hmm. And that went went on and on, and I went all the way through my teens, and I went through my twenties, and I um, I ended up going for therapy in my twenties, and for depression, because obviously the anxiety, the dislike for myself just turned into depression.
1: Yeah.
2: And the therapy helped a little bit, obviously the depression eased a little bit, but obviously the the dislike for myself didn't really, it didn't really go away. Okay. And that and that carried on my thirties, and I ended up kind of back in there before anxiety in my thirties because I just wasn't dealing with you know kind of everything that was going on inside yeah. my head. And then of course the thirties turned into my forties, and then I started again the spiral in like I said last year, and that's when everything changed. The whole life just changed nearly overnight. You know, it's yeah,
1: been Keith, it's been I amazing. Am for some reason I thought you started it two years ago but I can't believe it's only been one year since you have shared your your mm. message your journey your story and it's travelled so far um, and one of the reasons mm. why like you caught my eye and I was so like interested in getting you on the Power Hour is because very few males speak about, I suppose, mm. mental health in the way that you do and especially kind of the topic that we might zone in um, zone in on a little bit now. And um, so it's just great to spread more awareness from a male perspective as well. Um, so Keith, you said you had been with anxiety and depression since your early teens, um, but obviously only sharing it quite recently What was it inspired Mm -hmm. you to do so?
2: It's funny because I've I've been asked that question quite a lot. And it wasn't like I just kind of woke up one morning and said, right, that's it. I'm coming out of the shadows for over the last 25 years and that's it. My whole life's going to change today. I was 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 working from home and, you know, I I suppose I, I knew that I had a lot of issues going on and I was in therapy for my anxiety, but... Um, I kinda of just sat there one day and I don't know why I did it. I just wrote a blog and the blog was just called How I Use Sport as an Escapism and that's all it was. Okay. But it was kinda of, but it kinda of started from there and then I kinda of sat on that blog for about two weeks. I kinda of wrote it for myself and I didn't know what to do with it and then I shared it online. And I got such a great response to it. I wrote a blog and kinda of slowly you Some know, I like started hair. to unravel the You know, the onion just started to unravel a little bit at a time.
1: I think... And, yeah. Sorry, no continue?
2: No, no, I was just going to say and that's kind of how it started. Like It it wasn't, like I said, I just kind of woke up with this kind of epiphany where I'm going to change my life today. It just kind of happened.
1: So I think, you know, I've shared on the show before that I've had my own struggles with kind of mental health issues related Mm -hmm. to, um, like, body dysmorphia and OSFED, kind of an obsessive type eating disorder and similar to you I guess you can't people always ask me like what why did you decide to heal? Why did you decide to share it? And I think one day you just kind of wake up and you're like do you know what I am gaining back control of my life because for so long this is the way I look at it I'm like someone else had the steering wheel to my life and I'm taking it back into my hands and I'm maybe fighting against this kind of other metaphorical person wanting to take it sometimes but I'm going to own it and I'm going to control it and once you do that it just it helps the healing process because I know it's something that well personally I think will be always be kind of fighting or healing from but um, just to go back a little bit there so you mentioned that the first blog was about using sport as an escapism and later mm. this changed for you when you looked further into your relationship with, with food and fitness so can you tell us a little bit more about I suppose the time when you discovered the terms body dysmorphia and binge eating disorder and realising that this may have been what actually applied to you
2: yeah um so yeah so like uh, the the first blog was like how I use sports and escapism, and all it was really was how I it was actually you it was actually a negative thing but when I wrote the blog I thought it was a positive thing so i kind of using like what I meant by that was like I would watch sport or play sport but mainly I was watching sport just to zone out and to stop the negative thoughts in my head and it was just basically a few hours but what it was doing, it was actually just avoidance, it wasn't, I wasn't dealing with the issue, so when I, the, so the blog started off, it was supposed to be, like, a positive twist on it, but when I look back at it now, it actually helped me realise that it was actually a negative thing, mm. but, like, so I wrote the blog, and like I said, I wrote another blog, and then, uh, and then people started sending me their blogs, wow. to the post because I created, a, yeah, so I created a website, and people started sending me their blogs, and I so the the, the blog actually kind of stopped being my blog and it started kind of being a blogging platform for other people for mental so health know, in general just mental health in general if yeah. anyone had a story I was like just send it to me and I'll pop it up on the website and I'll, I'll help you kind of get your, your story out there
0: yeah
2: and then that's how the blog started and then the podcast came from the blog where I said look people aren't comfortable doing the blogs they can come on the podcast and you And know, podcasts and, are
1: probably yeah. travelling a little bit more, more quickly nowadays mm. um as well. Exactly. Keith, I totally relate to you saying that, you know, you had an escapism method for dealing mm. with I suppose or for not dealing with the emotions that were more deep rooted because for me my mm. escapism was exercise. So you can see how it became yeah. kind of this vicious cycle. Again, it was probably as a result mm. of of not loving myself and and mm. not loving my body that we find different escapism um, methods for yours it was watching sport, but then later you kind of mm. y- you transitioned into seeing that it was more kind of body dysmorphia, which was the term. Yeah. Um. So would you mind us was well diving into this a little bit?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously people had picked up on maybe some things I'd said on the podcast and some on the blog. As a few people had mentioned body dysmorphia to me, and have I ever looked into it? I'd never heard. <coughs> excuse me, I'd never heard the term before. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell?" I, just, I said, "I better go and research this in case I, someone, you know, I'm doing a podcast on or, or whatever." And all of a sudden, I looked it up, and that's when it all changed. My life literally did change that day. A I was lifted. like, "Oh my God, I have never heard this term before, and I've been living with this condition for over 25 years."
1: Oh my goodness!
2: And it, everything changed, like literally in an instant, everything changed. I was like. I was able to look back and tie everything, tie nearly everything I had done, said, relationships, family, everything, I was able to pretty much tie back to the body dysmorphia and the dislike for myself and the anxiety and the depression and me just not being comfortable in my own skin and all these different scenarios and activities and all these types of things were all just started flooding back and like literally the floodgates opened
1: yeah, but I, um, I
2: I'm like, sure it
1: was like an emotional release of some kind because it it was an answer yeah. in a form for you because I think a lot of people nowadays um well, well maybe that's wrong to say but within the fitness fitness in this body dysmorphia is mm-hmm. a term that's thrown around quite a lot and you know I've I've actually spoken to a lot of people who would be like Asher I suffer from body dysmorphia don't we all why are we in here and I'm like it's not a term that you that you should throw Mm -hmm. around lightly because so basically I suppose to explain to the listeners this means being um, I suppose obsessed with our body image to the point that you see it completely differently to how anyone else does um, being kind of the dysmorphia side of things and when you say Keith that you finally could start piecing everything together when you came across the term like were there events or say moments from like your childhood that you kind of saw might have yeah. contributed to the development of this for you
2: oh everything like absolutely everything I mean I wouldn't want to go places because I just didn't like the way I looked and you know, the thing is obviously your body dysmorphia it can be about someone's weight but it can also be about how someone you know it might be about your, your appearance it might not be necessarily your weight it can be your shape so mm. for me like I, I and I, I would and I've said this lots of times to people and I, I think some like the, it can be a bit overwhelming for some people to think this but i would sit there on a daily basis and i would list all the things i didn't like about myself yeah. on my fingers and when you're telling yourself those things every day you're eventually going to start believing them and when you start believing them that's when you stop you know that's when it takes over your life yeah and um, so i did like i didn't like so i put on weight on my back i didn't like my jawline i didn't like my hairline i didn't like my, didn't like my wrists
1: we, we body pick, everything else. I think, is the term, yeah. you know, body picking. And I used to do it myself. I'd stand yeah. in the mirror and I'd pick mm. out everything I didn't like and yeah. try and figure out how I would change it. But, you know, yeah. along this, this journey, that's where the term, I suppose, mental health disorder is, is kind of important to remind people of because you... You do come to a point where you can't control the thoughts more, and it is a disorder, and you do need help and support to overcome this. And I know it can be an ongoing battle. As someone who has also suffered, how did you work to overcome it, Keith?
2: Well, I haven't overcome it, and that's the thing, and that's like I a mean, it's an ongoing
1: thing. But it's like, really inspirational for, me, for you to even answer like that. Like that's incredible to put that out there. Yeah, like
2: so. But I'm working on it, and I'm going in the right direction, and that's all I can ask of myself.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, like, like the fact that I was able to put a label on this was very important for me because once I realised that there was a label for this or uh-huh. a term, uh-huh. I was able. I realised, Jesus, there's like if if, there, if there's if there's a term for this, and there's obviously other people suffering from it, and then there's obviously maybe solutions and help out there, and that was massive for me. So I was able to kind of get out of my own head and realise I'm not alone. Yeah, it isn't just me. And then once I started sharing my story, I had so many people coming to me going, Yeah, like I. I and mean, then all of a sudden you realise that you're not alone.
1: This is a So it. just once being able you... to
2: share the story wasn't massive for me.
1: Yeah, once you share the story, it's helping you. But I had the very same experience. So for me, the weight was lifted when I heard the term OSFED, which is other specified feeding and eating disorders, where you like tick boxes of some things and not for others. And they leave mm-hmm. them all into this one bracket. But once I shared that story. I got so many people reaching out as have you and it just makes yeah. everything feel a little bit more kind of supportive when you know there is a whole kind of community out there that are overcoming this together um yeah. and I suppose try, trying to fight it and the, that there is so many support networks out there and I will share, you know, the numbers and the the websites and everything for people to connect if, if they find that they are struggling with something similar at the end of our chat um, but did you find that it was, I suppose are, are you finding that it's professional help that's helping you or kind of just using the resources which are there for free?
2: It's been a mixture of both really so, right. I mean, because so even for the binge eating disorder that I've, you know, I also was living with as well. Yeah. Like, I, it's quite expensive to do all this privately, and in the public system, it's quite a long list to kind of get. You know, you I know, really the long waiting
0: list. Yeah.
2: So I, I, I did feel quite overwhelmed with stuff. Thinking, where do I even start? So I know you're going to mention the likes of Bodywise and that sort yeah. of. I, I went on their website and they were incredible, and mm-hmm. I've got to kind of know a few people in there, and they've been amazing. I've kind of found a great little community on Instagram like yourself and other yeah. people who are constantly posting help videos and, and the, the best thing is like from my podcast I was able to develop so many relationships with people where I, I can reach out to them now if I need help or advice and vice versa they can come to me so that's been massive for me is to just know that I have like, built relationships there where where I can actually talk to people, you know. Yeah, so it's I been a, it's been a mixture of both, and I obviously have my own therapist that I speak to, and she's absolutely incredible. So it's going kind to of be a mixture of both.
1: Keith, I think you are absolutely incredible and extremely inspirational for sharing your story while you're still working on it because that is not the sort of bravery that I had I kind of had to wait for a long time and had I shared it sooner I know I would have helped so many other people I think you have no idea probably how many people are listening to this kind of going oh my gosh yeah that's me now I know I can overcome it this is where I'll go to look and just some things that I kind of picked up on from your your blog Keith you know you said once I established a healthy relationship with myself I was able to establish Mm -hmm. a healthy relationship with everything else I couldn't agree with that more. And you continue to emphasize that no matter what your age, again, taking this, these are your words, no matter your age, gender, shape or size, everyone can struggle with food and body image, but it's never too late to seek help. Um, Keith, time is after flying by here, but I suppose, would you like to maybe share more details of where people can find you online or connect with you?
2: Yeah, I mean, the website is com, and all the information is up there. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram, it's I am Keith Russell and on Twitter it's Keith underscore Russell. And they're probably the, the three main places um that you will find me and if you wanna if you wanna come to the podcast you can send me a message from wherever and it's the same with the blog, you, like I have a little button and you can upload blogs and that there. So yeah, yeah. And if anyone ever wants to you know, even just to chat and come to me, I'm obviously available as well.
1: Keith, you are absolutely incredible. Listen, it won't—it's not goodbye for us because we'll be in touch very soon about maybe having a longer chat yeah. for your podcast. Yeah. But for now, yeah. I'm going to—I'm um, going to leave it at that. I can't thank you enough for your time today, Keith. And um, we'll talk to you very soon.
2: Thanks, Natalie. Very welcome.
0: Helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition, and mindset the KCL or Power Hour with Natalie Lennon.
1: Now, those numbers, in case you are looking for them, for BodyWise, the national voluntary organisation supporting people affected by eating disorders, it is 012 107 906, or check out their website, bodywise.ie. Also, the amazing Pieta House. You can free phone 1800 247 247 or text HELP to 51444. Now, don't go anywhere. We just have to take a quick ad break. I am thrilled to be joined on the line once more by Carlo Native. She is a nutritionist and yoga instructor who works really hard to help her clients and followers focus on health rather than on weight loss or body image, which ties in really, really well with this week's show. Neve Orbinski is on the line. Hello, Neve. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Nat. I'm delighted to have you back on. It's a pleasure to have you on The Power Hour, Um, this time discussing something totally different, as we did have you on discussing yoga with us before. And today what we want to talk about is the Health at Every Size movement, which is pronounced Haze. Am I right in saying that? Yes, that's correct. So can you maybe start off this interview by telling us a little bit about the Haze movement and what it really is?
0: Yeah, sure. So... Health at Every Size is a weight-inclusive approach to health that doesn't use weight as a marker for health or as a marker or determinant for for success, let's say. Um, But one of the biggest misconceptions of the framework is that it suggests everyone is automatically healthy at every size, and that's just not the case. Um, It doesn't mean that everyone in every size body is healthy. But what it does mean is that everyone, regardless of their size, can be working on health-related goals without focusing on weight loss. So it's a weight-inclusive approach to health and encourages health-promoting behaviours regardless of their outcome on weight. Which, in quite, I would, in my opinion, a weight-obsessed world, can seem quite radical and might be quite a new concept for lots of people to hear today.
1: Yeah, but I you explained it so well, Neve. You know, you kind of mentioned that, yes, not everyone in everybody or at every weight or size is going to be healthy. But if you are prioritising health, promoting behaviours, yeah. well, then surely you're going to be on the right track. And something that we always say on The Power Hour here, we have since we started, was because often weight loss is a goal. If you chase health gain rather mm-hmm. than weight loss, surely your goal is going to come out Somewhat similar, but uh, when we talk about the Hayes movement and the principles, is there certain principles to this this kind of terminology or the movement itself?
0: Yeah, so there's five guiding principles. The okay. first is weight inclusivity, and this is where we accept and respect the inherent diversity of body shapes and sizes. I mean, from the beginning of time, we've all been born into different body sizes and. Mm. As I was saying with the client yesterday in clinic, it really is pure luck what body size you were born into. Um, And of course, there are some behaviours that will affect your body size. But, you know, up to 70% of your body size is determined by your genetics.
1: 70%? Wow, Mm. I never knew that. That's amazing. It's really good to get that figure out there because, you know, Particularly, I always think of the younger generation and younger girls and boys in school, growing up with a lot more kind of media and social media, and they're surrounded by a particular aesthetic. But to know that seventy percent of their aesthetic is genetically determined.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, like I was doing my thesis on body image recently, and I did a lot of research into um, the history of body sizes and how.
1: Oh, sorry, Neve, I I think we lost you there. You were saying you've done a lot of research into the history of body sizes?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, recently I was looking at like body sizes that that have been accepted over the last kind of 300 years, let's say. And the thin ideal really only erupted in the last 200 years. Before that, a woman's body that was larger and um, voluptuous, let's say, was more widely revered. So, it really is normal to have body diversity and this is a big part of Hayes is respecting that diversity rather than trying to squeeze everyone into the same body size.
1: I absolutely love that. Um, so meve when it comes to the exercise side of things, you know, because we've spoken a lot, I suppose, about the weight the weight inclusivity and how it's not kind of a weight centric movement when it comes to exercise and we'll touch on diet in a second is movement still encouraged as part of the Hays, um principle or h- how does it differ to like say the traditional fitness industry methods at the moment
0: yeah yeah absolutely so one of the principles of Hayes is life enhancing movement
1: oh wow that's a great statement life enhancing mm-hmm. movement
0: so it really comes at this from the perspective of movement being a source of joy and allowing um, everyone to choose a movement that they really enjoy to a degree that they choose so it's accepting the fact that we're not robots, our energy levels will differ from day to day, from week to week, from month to month from year to year and that our movement practices need to reflect that um, and that um, sometimes we might need something a little bit more intense like I don't know a CrossFit class or yeah. a run or the gym and sometimes we might need something more gentle like a restorative yoga class yeah. or um, to kind of rebalance the nervous system so it has this acceptance rather than what I, what I see a lot in the fitness industry and you have probably seen a yes. lot as well that is this you know no pain no gain you know don't quit keep going oh yeah
1: like sweat is that crying and all of this it's so toxic I
0: think yeah absolutely yeah
1: So, I guess the term, like, similar to life-enhancing movement is kind of intuitive movement. um, Realising that, like, you don't have to exercise with an aesthetic goal. And you hit the nail on the head because just recently I've tried out one or two CrossFit workouts because I like switching it up, but I'm not a CrossFitter. So then when I say, oh, you know, I actually think I'm going to go for a run tomorrow, they're like, why would you run? You're going to lose your muscle mass. I'm like, well, that's what I'll enjoy doing tomorrow. It's not about the aesthetic side of things. So, Neve, we've touched on, like, the movement um, approach within the Hayes, the Hayes movement, I feel like I'm using the word movement a lot here, but when we (laughs) want to speak about diet within the Hayes movement, how is that approached?
0: Yeah, so another principle within Hayes is eating for well-being.
1: Ah, okay.
0: And this is where my biggest love, intuitive eating, comes in um, to the conversation. So, uh, likewise with movement, um, intuitive eating is all about connecting inwards and connecting with the signals that your body gives you that directs you to the choices that you need to make on any given day around food. Um, So really it's about eating based on internal cues rather than external cues. So intuitive eating is a huge paradigm that is aligned with ACE but is a whole framework there's,
1: yeah, there's principles to itself. And we did have um, Intuitive Eating Ireland on here kind of near the beginning of the Power Hour series. So we do have, oh, yeah. if anyone wants to catch up on some of those principles, it should be back on Spotify. Um, so, Neve, another question for you then. So we've kind of covered movement and we've covered the dietary approach somewhat. Intuitive eating would need another hour in itself. <laughs> but when it comes to, I suppose... The haze movement, a lot of people will kind of say, but health of every size. And this is a sentence I'm using because I know people at home might be thinking it, and not necessarily one that I like, but people would potentially say, like, isn't it unhealthy to be fat? Now, I know there is no, I know there's a degree to which there may be a yes, but I suppose I'm asking you for the listeners at home, how can we tell them how can we have this for them?
0: Yeah, and this is you know. haze really goes against deep seated systemic belief systems that we've all grown up with and we've all been exposed to that fat is a bad thing Yeah. and this is just simply not true 100% and yes, that is not to say that weight doesn't have some impact on health but we need to begin looking at health promoting behaviours rather than weight as being the biggest determinant for health because we know that we don't have any safe and effective strategies for long term weight loss they don't exist and when I say long term I'm meaning you know five years plus yeah
1: we we know now from looking at the studies that any kind of weight centric approach
0: Mm.
1: never is effective long term and I do have um, I was just looking into this a little bit and I know in 2012 there was a study of almost 12,000 adults done and researchers found that lifestyle habits were a better predictor of mortality than BMI so regardless of weight class people lived longer when they practiced healthy habits um, like, you know, not drinking um, too much alcohol, not smoking, eating the fruit and veg, and exercising 12 or more times per month. That's what helped them live longer. It wasn't necessarily focusing on BMI, which is really interesting. Neve, if people want to practice health at every size, if they want to be a part of this, how can they do so?
0: Mm. Well, the first thing that I would do is to, st- and all of the first step is to start acknowledging some of your belief systems around diet and weight and start trying to look at um diet culture and diet mentality in your own life now that might seem like a big a big task and where do people even start um but i would highly suggest that if you're um if you're interested in the whole paradigm to pick up the Health that every size book or pick up the intuitive eating book and Brilliant. follow a few instagram pages um, i have a podcast as well that like gives you more information about at every size and intuitive eating and just exposing yourself to this non-diet weight Yeah, it's world. not
1: going to happen on its own because it's no. not something where we're naturally going to be exposed to in the world that we live in. You need to go and root out the information mm. um, and it's it's going to be uncomfortable at times, I think, if people mm. are used to weight-centric approaches but it's going to be more comfortable long-term and we're all about getting comfortable being uncomfortable here on the Power Hour. Neve, what if um, your medical professional or consultant is not, like, is aligned because often weight is like one of the main things that's checked when you may, maybe go in for a checkup or you go to your doctor But how do you approach that
0: yeah this is a really hard situation to come up against especially if you live in a marginalised body and this is something that comes up in clinic a lot and I do a lot of work with clients around advocating for themselves and building up the confidence to be able to um, speak from a place of power with, with doctors and with consultants and Unfortunately, we are seeing, you know, the the tide turning, but it's slow. Okay. Um, And it's very, it's highly likely that people will go into their doctor or consultant and their weight will be referenced. Yeah. Um, But it's good to know this and
1: be aware. And I suppose what you can do is you can maybe ring the doctor ahead of time and maybe say that you wouldn't be comfortable if that's the case or explain to them when you go in there that listen, you're trying out a different way of living at the moment and you'd rather not or you'd rather not know the result if it does need to be ticked maybe. Yes,
0: absolutely yeah. and th- just boundary setting to look Boundary after your own well-being
1: yeah in all areas of life we are here for setting boundaries Neve, it's been an absolute pleasure as always having you on the show um, such an informative one this evening can you share with us the best um, place that people can find you or maybe your podcast name as well if they want to have a listen
0: yeah, so I am nutritionwithneve.com. You'll also find me on Instagram at nutritionwithneve. And my podcast is called Food, Body and Beyond. And I've got loads of episodes there that people can catch up on that talk about all of this stuff.
1: Fantastic. Neve, thank you so much for your time today. We'll hopefully have you back very soon.
0: No problem. Thank you. You're listening to the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon.
1: Carlo Kilkenny KCLR
0: clearing up those misconceptions the power hour one minute myth bust
1: hello and welcome back you are listening to the power hour here on casey Lore with myself nathalie lennon so our myth bust for this week statement fiber supplements are as good as high fiber foods You know the answer to this one. Supplements are never going to be as good as food. So, no, this would be false. Many people struggle with getting adequate dietary fibre. And this is why fibre supplements are so popular, especially in Ireland, because, did you know, according to the Irish Nutrition and Dietetic Institute, almost 80% of Irish adults do not get enough fibre. 80% percent. That's a staggering statistic. So although fibre supplements can benefit our health by improving bowel movements and blood sugar control, they never replace real food. Always look to food before supplements to meet your dietary requirements. So national guidelines when it comes to fibre suggest a daily intake of 24 to 35 grams. So keep that in mind. And just some examples of how you can get it up. Add seeds to your salad or soup or pick a bread that has seeds in it. Use whole grain or multi grain breads, try to use brown pasta instead of flour based white pasta, maybe have more legumes, have lots of vegetables. So that is your myth bust for this week's Power Hour. The Power Hour Fitness Funny. Now, the last two to three weeks on my fitness bunny i've been switching it up a little bit and i've been telling you jokes laughing at them myself because i've no one in studio here to laugh with me now i do have Ashin kind of looking at me from a distance here so i'm going to try and get a giggle from her so lads did you know i crashed my bike into a wall today It was wheelie. unfortunate. (laughs) Okay, I hope you're laughing at home because it's really hard to tell a joke when I don't know if you're laughing with me. Now, okay, the next one. This one I do like. What happens to a person if they run behind a car? They get exhausted. (laughs) Okay, why did the DJ get disqualified from the 400 metre sprint though? Serious question. He kept changing tracks. (laughs) Shannon Redmond is looking at me also wondering what. Okay, and my last one for you. This one I do love. What do you call, the kids might love this one, what do you call a bunch of strawberries playing instruments together? A jam session. <laughs> okay now moving on very quickly so every single week here on the Power Hour I give you a cheer challenge and last week the cheer challenge was to take a mindful moment daily and this week I hope you all done that it actually really inspired me to take more myself this week it is to be fibre aware can you switch brown or wholemeal multigrain options in for what usually would be white and more refined? For example, maybe asking the restaurant to use wholemeal rather than white bread, picking up brown pasta instead of white. It doesn't have to be every single meal, but just one swap somewhere this week to help increase your fibre intake. And remember, water is really important to increase alongside your fibre intake as well. And guys, this is bringing us towards the end of our Para Hour show for tonight here on KCLR. I do hope you enjoyed it. I have loved, as always, being here with you. Don't forget you can catch up on all of our past shows on Spotify. Big thank you to Ashing who is guiding me here in studio tonight and you host, Shannon Redmond, coming up next on Loaded. I will talk to you all very soon.